This episode is brought to you by the Podcast Services Division at Life's Tough Media. Having your own podcast allows you to creatively reach all types of audiences, from clients to prospects, to your most loyal membership base. And by utilizing studio affiliates located around the world, coupled with quality remote recording capabilities, Life's Tough Media makes having a corporate podcast easier than ever before. Contact us for a no-obligation consultation at info at lifestuff.com or visit lifestuff.com to learn more. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. I'm Dustin Planholt, your host. This is a show where we talk about life and we talk about finding our purpose. And along the way, we meet some inspiring and truly remarkable individuals. Today's guest is one of those. Her name is Queen Diambi, and she's from the Congo. And on today's episode, well, we met with her in person and we talked to her regarding what it's like to be a queen and what it's like to live in Africa. And she told us some very, very incredible things that I candidly didn't know, and I'm sure you weren't aware of as well, that Africa is in all of us. Let's bring her on now. Queen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dustin, for having me in this show. I'm very honored and pleased to be here uh, with you to have a bit of a conversation. And as the protocol require, I'm going to have to state my name and function. So I'm Queen Diambi Kabatuswila Chiyomwata, Mukalenga Mukajiwan Kashama, Wabakwa Luntu, Wabaluba, Wakasai, Wakongo. Thank you for letting me just call you Queen Diambi. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, Diambi is my name. Diambi means the bearer of good news. So my mission statement is my name. So my job is to really leave good news where I go. So I, I love to see people smile. Kabatuswila is my father's name. Chiyoyomwata is my grandfather. Bakwaluntu is the people of Kasai uh, who are my people, the Luntu people. And the Lubas are the bigger ethnic group, is one of the biggest ethnic group in Africa. And so I belong to that ethnic group. And of course in Kasai and in Congo. And then Mukalenga Mukaji is my title, which means female king of the order of the leopard. So that's, that's the declination of all those words I just said in my language in, in Chiluba. You're a light. You're a light to everybody you meet along the way. Talk about that. Well, I'm most honored, first of all, for you to even mention me as a light. And I think we are all lights. And matter of fact, not only figuratively, but in reality, we are. We are, only, we are made out of energy. So we, we, we are a light. Um, and I would also have to add uh, to that that I am queen in Brazil. So I have to talk about my people in Brazil. If not, they will not be happy. So I am Grande Mai do Povo Bantu Brasileiro, which is a great mother, queen of the African descendants of Brazil. So there are 114 million African descendants. So they all know that they come from Africa. They are the descendants of Africans. So a light, like I say, we are all lights. And I think one of my motto is just shine your best light. So that's the key that everybody is a light, but it's the choice to explore and find out who we truly are so that we can manifest the light and amplify it 
through our actions. So I think everybody has the opportunity or the potential to be, to be the best light they can be. So that's all I'm doing. I'm a, I seek my best path to shine my best light. <laughs> that's a beautiful message. And, and now around the world, you meet people and you're bringing awareness to your people. And I'm sure you have some incredible stories of the people you've met and the things that they thought they knew, the indoctrination, the beliefs. Talk about some of those beliefs. Kinshasa, uh, the capital of Congo, very pretty much a modern African city. So I didn't really know much about villages and, and people, you know, in, in other areas. So when I was crowned uh, five years ago, of a people who are farmers, who live in very rural areas, who have no uh, access to certain, you know, things to ease their lifestyle. Um, I had a question for myself, being a queen of these people, how do I help? So uh, I, was not, I'm not a, I was not a millionaire at the time, nor am I now. I was a little thousandaire. <laughs> so I had to make a decision with my little thousands. Who, I take that out of my bank, I empty my bank account, I go build few water wells in my villages, maybe 10 or 15 or 20, maybe if I'm lucky and I get a good bargain, or I bring a couple of books and build one school, and then that's it. And then my people would definitely be very happy and they'd probably be happier because most kings before me have not even done that. And the, the leadership maybe have not taken care of them. So I had to make a choice, like, what do I do? Do I, do I do that or do I invest in finding angels who can help me in the world build more than 10 wells and build more than one school. And, and so I decided to take a, a choice to put all the resources I had to go out and meet people. How do you meet people and how do you connect? You have to come in your path of truth. You have to know who you are. You have to put out there the truth about you. So you're not there to con anyone, to put ver uh, 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 you know, some polish on some, something. You have to, because people sense that. So my ambition was to really showcase Africa the way I saw it. Not the way Africa was portrayed in the media, because there is a massive image deficit about Africa. I've traveled and I lived in many countries, and when so oftentimes you see Africa, you see the slums, they talk to you about Ebola, AIDS, whatever, wars, people cutting each other in pieces, and, and you're like, wow, what kind of place is that? No, nobody wants to go, and it's obvious that we can just go and take the gold and, and then leave because there's nothing there. But that's not the reality on the terrain. Africa is the most beautiful place that I've ever seen in my life. I know I'm a bit biased, but I invite anybody to come and check that out and challenge me on that. Because yeah, we have hubs of cities which are really, you know, try to catch up with the Western model of civilization. And it's a massive failure for me as far as I'm concerned in my standard. But go in the land because there's two Africa. There's the Africa of the States, which was a complete artificial construction that was made in 18, uh, 1885 in Berlin at the Berlin Conference, where the European countries decided to look on the map and just basically cut Africa to pieces to share with each other on how best to exploit so everybody could have something in their coffers. But there is the Africa of the people. And that Africa is 200 thousand years old. So when you go to see that Africa, when this is your intention to meet that Africa, 
then you see you enter into another world because now you learn about the true history of Africa, the true accomplishment about a lot of these people and how they have contributed to the world civilization. Many people oftentimes have their little soft spot for Africa because, you know, DNA anthropology has confirmed categorically that this is where we were all born. Humanity come out of Africa, but they love to call it a cradle. And I'm like, wait a minute. Africa equator? I don't think so. If you, we are about 200,000 years and we only leave Africa 70,000 years ago, that's mean if humanity is 100, you leave your home, Africa, when you are 60 years old. Who leaves a cradle at 60? So we didn't leave a cradle behind. We left a cradle, a bed, a bedroom, a house, a university, a temple. We left with all the building blocks of who, as we are human, we develop fully developed humans with all the understanding of how we have to structure ourselves so we can live together in peace and harmony because that's what we took for us, with us everywhere we went and we built all, we colonized the planet. So this is the Africa that I love to talk about, the Africa that invented the binary coding system hundreds of years ago, not yesterday, the Africa where mathematics, all the sciences, physics, chemi uh, chemistry, astro astronomy, all these science, architecture, all of these science are there. I thought this came out of Europe. Not so, not so. So that's the deficit I'm talking about. The story is told by the, the, the winner. And for some reason, the winner can also create a completely artificial narrative so they can justify why they would treat Africa the way they do. So it's a, it's a psychological problem that we call in, in psychology cognitive dissonance. So when you have cognitive dissonance, meaning that when you know you, you have a moral compass and you know that what you're doing is clashing with that moral compass, is in contradiction with your moral compass, you create a new reality to adjust your moral compass. So you say, oh, we can do that because they're actually not human or they're not evolved people. So therefore we can act like that with them, but it's not the truth. So now when you go back and rediscover the truth about Africa, we're doing mathematics in Congo 25,000 years ago. And if you don't know, now you know, go check out the Bono Vishango. It's an instrument, the first calculator in the world. It's found in Ishango, Congo, Congo. 25,000 years ago, where we have the prime numbers, where we have the understanding of the zero. So you can no longer tell people any lies that you want. Fractal mathematics, go ask the MIT guys, ask the MIT professors in math and ask them, fractal, what do you think, what's the relationship between fractal and Africa? They will lay it down. So there is a need for the narrative about Africa to be corrected so that not only the African descendant themselves can really reclaim their integrity and dignity, knowing that they too were not a part of building this reality, this civilization, not just as slaves, but as great engineers, great thinkers, great philosophers, great mathematicians, great scientists as well. So they can reclaim that part to, 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 to recompose their identity truly, but also for everybody else to understand that Africa is our home. And then that history also belongs to humanity. So it's not a separate humanity that happened in Africa. It's our humanity that happened there. The ingenuity of our human brothers 
is where that happened. So that corrections need to be made on both sides of the equation. So the, the, the respect and the, 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 the approach to Africa may also be altered so that instead of looking at Africa like the poor parent of humanity, we can really say that was actually our mother. So if that was our mother, she holds knowledge and wisdom that can be a vector or at least a tool for us to, to, to rethink civilization and to come with different proposals of how do we live together, especially in those times where we have gone so far out of the insanity in a profit-based economy system that is never accounted nature as, a, as the biggest asset, but instead, you know, used it just for fulfillment of, you know, um, very superficial needs of fun and, and, you know, consumption that we now are in danger. We are a, a species in danger. It's not because we are 7 billion that we are not in danger. As long as we endanger this planet, we are in danger. This is mothership. So if you sink mothership and you are on it, it's kind of like, duh, don't you know that you're going down with it? So today I think that Africa, because we've lived so long on the continent, we can now use some of the wisdom and knowledge and bring them around the table because there may be another way. So you're saying that Africa has a lot to teach us. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, simple things, sharing, for, for, for example, access economy. Listen, I don't need a vacuum cleaner 24-7 in my closet. I just need a vacuum cleaner when I need it. So you pick it up, you vacuum, you put it there, somebody else, the neighbor, whoever, they, they can use it. What, what, you know, what's the need? You know, so that's the fundamental of Africa, the, the famous access, you know, based economy where, you know, we have the, the goods in common or some people now talking about resource based economy or circular economy. A lot of economists are starting to look at that, but this is not a new model. This is an old model with, with lipstick on because it's from Africa. We, that's how we organize our, our communities. We, it's resource based. What do we have? What can we use not to deplete our environment? And how do we share that? among assess, uh, in, uh, assessing the needs of each one so that your needs can be met. Not your wants, first your needs. And if there's wants, let's work on that. But first the needs. But we cannot tolerate a society where you have six steaks to eat per day and there are people that have minus six steaks to eat per day. That's, doesn't, that's, not, that, that's not sane thinking, that's not sane behavior, that's insanity. So how do we, we, we tweak it? How do we go about changing certain things so that we can, not today, not tomorrow maybe, but the future generation have a shot at how we live together on this planet? A beautiful message. You know, and it's interesting, you taught me some things that my, my Western schooling never taught me, that what percentage of, of your region were taken into slavery? Uh, it, it, with the, the latest uh, account, 40% of the people who were deported. Percent. So that would be the equivalent of 40% yes. of Americans. Yes. Being taken. How many years would that even set you back About, as a people? Yes. And completely destructuring I mean, and destroying completely destroy everything. Because of when, years. when in the 15th century, uh, Africa was actually in a golden age around that time. You know, while Europe is, uh, the, the Roman Empire completely collapses and crumbles, 
Africa is flourishing, we call it the imperial Africa. So those are massive empires that are all over, spread all over Africa, while Europe is really struggling in the Dark Ages for a couple of centuries. So when uh, Europe started emerging a bit from the Dark Ages, one of the, 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 the launch paths out of the Dark Age is Africa. So you're telling me that, again, going back to, to what mm -hmm. we see on the media, is that these weren't people like living in a tree some far off. No. These were actually yes. cultures that had Yes, civilization. civilization. We have cities, we have, and, and today the accounts of all the foreigners, the European that used to come to, to Africa for the first time around this area, around this era, wrote about it. Uh, how majestic those cities were. The big, we talk about the biggest wall in the world is China. No, the biggest wall ever built is, I think five or 10 times bigger than the wall of China was actually in Africa in Benin, but was destroyed. But those are information that I didn't receive from, from school. So we know that history was written by the victors, but why still today don't more people know this truth? Well, uh, why would what what the what would the truth serve for the people to continue carry on their model? If you want to continue sustaining a model, you have to have all the foundation to be there. And if lie was one of the foundation on top of which they build the model, if you pull it out under, the whole structure might collapse. So we don't have mitigation uh, strategies yet. And this is where I am here to do. I'm here to say, no, there is a way we can mitigate. You know, there might not be a complete collapse of the model, but we need to see how we can pull some of these, uh, you know, inconsistencies in telling the truth about the human, about the human history, because Africa, Africa African history is not African history. African history is human history. So it's every human on the planet is robbed from a part of its own, you know, journey as a human on this planet if the truth is not told about Africa. You know, for so many years when Egyptology started, they blasted it as it was like a, a, either an alien culture. They even called it Middle East as if it was not in Africa, they tried every trick on the book to say that African to Egypt was not an African Negroid civilization. In 74, that was clearly established. UNESCO and the whole conference clearly established that Egypt is a Negroid African so civilization. I, I must ask you a question, and it's a tough question, is mm -hmm. that is it they're against the skin color or the culture? It's not about skin color. It's not even about culture. It's about money. It's about greed. So racism is not a color thing. Racism is about greed. Because it's just happened to be that the people with that particular color are sitting on a wealth that is immeasurable. And the people there, you had said to me that the people are very trusting. Exactly. That's one of our founding principles is to trust, is Ubuntu, is I am because you are, is a very, is, is you and I rather than you or I. So the, the, the way we, we function is, is completely different uh, because we are community people. We live in community. We know that there is interdependency between us and those interdependency are reinforced so that there is social cohesion. And also we don't have to worry about crimes and all kinds of things because we are so interconnected to each other that the, the morality, the values that we hold, we, we are watching basically each other because when you fail, you fail the whole system. So we, 
today, of course, things have, have changed much and it's a kind of hybrid uh, model, but in, even if it's a hy hybrid model, a lot of the ancient value have to be brought back up. And to go back to Egypt, the Greeks who came to Egypt said the truth. They wrote it down. They say, oh, we went to Africa. We went to get knowledge there. We uh, um, Aristotle spent 30 years in studying in Egypt, went back to Greece with all this information, said it, wrote it down, said that the, the, the African people taught us this. But when the European from Western Europe get back to the, what they call the Renaissance, they get all those texts, they edit changed it. They were they idea it. thieves. Yes, they added and they say, oh no, they'd say it's from the Greeks. But the Greeks said it was from Africa. They never lied. So the reason why it's so important is to, to bring back our African brother, to lift him up after he's been put down so much. And him, the African people being put down, is not a a gain for humanity in the long run. In the short run, yes, that's what I'm saying. Profit base, let's see how we can exploit, let's see how we can take as much as we can. But in the long run, it's not a good strategy because in the long run, if Africa sinks, because it's the heart of this planet and it's the last buffer against our insanity, and it's also giving us an opportunity to do a do-over because now we have new tools, now we have a new understanding, now we understand that we're impacting the environment, and so now Africa is still like a, like a terrain where we can now start to implement new way of doing things. So Africa is not only our home for humanity, because everybody's welcome home, but how do you go home? What do you bring when you go home? It's like your mother. When you haven't seen your mother in a while, when you're gonna go see her, what are you gonna bring her? Are you going to go with a, a dagger so you can stab her in, 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 in the back? Or are you going to go with some jewelry, some gifts, a, 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 a nice scarf for mom? So come back to Africa. It's, it's our home. It's our safe haven. And this is if we take the stance as, the, as humanity to say, enough with this crap. I'm sorry for the words, but enough with this crap. We are human and we are all human. Our wealth reside in our diversity. Because the more diverse we are, the more creative we can be when we have to find solutions. However, our strength lies in our unity. And unity doesn't mean unicity. Unity means you are different, and I love it, because your difference will complete me. Your difference will supplement me, complement me. So when we change that, and then when we give everybody the opportunity to shine the best light, then how lit will we be together? That is an incredible message from an incredible woman. Now we say on the show that life's tough, you can be tougher. What you taught me today and the audience is that life's tough, Africa is tougher. Oh yeah. That it has survived plagues, famines, wars, bad people coming in and taking good people. And yet it still remains strong because it has leaders like you uh -huh. that are making a difference. Leaders like you that take it personal. I do, and, and you know I have a say, I say this oftentimes, after all these things, after all that Africa has gone through, how do we survive? And I say, because we dance. Dancing, for me, is a medicine. It's not just dancing for fun. Dancing is I stand in this world with joy and happiness, regardless of every tough uh, situation, every, you know, 
you know, a challenge that I've had, but I will stand and I will dance and I will let the universe dance me. Meaning that my relevance in this world will never be challenged no matter what. And I will be able to stand and dance. So that's something that I feel has to be spoken about. And especially when we talk about countries where they have racial, you know, disparity and, and situation like the United States. I'm also a United States citizen by choice, meaning I love the country because I chose to become American. But I also see that there is a lot of things that are difficult, especially in the race, in the race polarity between the African-American descendants who have been there from the beginning, built the country, worked, were abused, all, of, all the story. I know the, the, the tremendous abuse that, was, that happened. And the descendants of those who came to settle, to have a better life from Europe, and also thought that was the way it was done in the time. So the past is the past. We cannot put the past and history on stand, but we can today take some measures and start creating healing protocols to bridge the gap between the two communities, the communities of the victims or the descendants of victims who are today still in a, in a structural system that is not promoting their, their ability to shine their light fully. And then the descendants of those who are the perpetrators who have not perpetrated anything but because they descend from a system, are also in a pain body of guilt. And if you are in a pain body of guilt, you can just shut the door because guilt is also painful. Guilt is as painful as, you know, abuse. Because guilt, especially inherited guilt, something that you did not do, and then you live with it because it's part of your cultural, you know, uh, cultural paradigm. So how do we tear all these down? How would we tear the walls down that you can live and feel that, okay, my ancestors did that, so what can I do to contribute to mend, you know, the, the, the bridges, to, to mend the wounds, to, to, to heal the wounds? That's all it's required. So when they talk about reparation, I don't necessarily think about money. I think about all the, the different protocols we can put in place in education, like talking about the truth of Africa, that would be amazing reparation already to say Africa is the home of humanity. Africa is where we got this, that, this, that, that. These Africans were captured and kidnapped and blah, blah, blah. A lot of them were doctors when they came here. A lot of them were engineers when they came here. A lot of them were in legal field in Africa when they came here. They were the building blocks of empires in Africa. And they, we kidnapped them, they came here and under all the adversity, they survived. So all the stuff that they went through, and despite that, they survive. What kind of testimony is it to the culture they came from? So, hey, wouldn't we be interested in looking at it to see how we can also gain some, you know, parade so we can face our challenges every day? So all of these kind of things could be a path for reconciliation. Because for the United States and all those countries like Brazil who have this race disparity, if they fail to recognize the potential for them to deploy greatness to such an extent that would be incomparable in any place in the planet by making sure those wounds are healed properly, then they will miss out and it would be sad because I love the country and I want to be part of it and I want my children to be part of this and I want also the United States to understand that there is an amazing opportunity to work with Africa because they are the natural ally of Africa because they have African descendants there. 
So who, who could be a better ally to Africa? Who could be a better partner to Africa than those who have African in their midst or African descent in their midst? But use it wisely. Use that, that, that resource wisely. And if you promote them and if you raise them, then now they become, we can deploy different type of attitudes and different kind of relationship with Africa. And everybody's going to Africa if you don't know. Everybody and their grandmother is in Africa. China is there, Russia is there, all this, Europe is there, everybody, India is there, everybody wants to go to Africa because it's the place to be. Why? All the resources for any type of development in the future and present are in Africa. Could it be water? Could it be na any natural resources? Human resources? Everything is there. So today to get on board in Africa, Africans like myself would not accept the unacceptable anymore because we know the name of the game and we see who's who. So we don't mind working with everybody. Like I said, Africa is home to humanity and every human will be respected coming home to mama. However, how do you come home? So that's what we need to have on check. And that's why the leaders like myself, who I'm a leader of a community, we have presidents, we have you know, governors, we have prime ministers and ministers. I'm a leader of a community. I am there to talk about the Africa of the people. And there are many brothers like myself who are kings in their communities who love the land of the ancestors and love their people. So we work from that place of love. They say that leaders don't create more followers, they create more leaders. And you, well, that is your mission to create leaders all around the world and to bring them home and to remind them that Africa is their home. Thank you again for sharing your story. Life's tough. Queen, you're tougher. Thank you so much, Queen Diambi, for sharing your story and for opening our eyes and for telling us things that many of us, well, we weren't aware of. And I'm gonna leave you with this. Africa smiled a little when you left. We know you, Africa said. We have seen and watched you. We can learn to live without you, but we know we needn't yet. And Africa smiled a little when you left. You cannot leave Africa, Africa said. We are always with you. There inside your head, our rivers run in currents in the swirl of your thumbprints, our drumbeats counting out your pulse, our coastline the silhouette of your soul. So Africa smiled a little when you left. We are in you, Africa said. You have not left us yet. Life's tough. Africa, you're tougher. Thanks for everything you do. Take care, everybody. <laughs>